This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Let's see. It is the first show after the second Thursday of the month. And for those of you new to Dimland Radio, listening to it on iTunes, it's available on iTunes now. If you like the show, please give it a good rating and a nice review. If you don't like the show, well, don't listen to it. <laughs> it's that simple. Um, anyway, I got that out of the way. But those of you who are new to the show on iTunes... Um, uh, the, you may not be aware that uh, the second Thursday of each month is a meetup night for the Minnesota Skeptics in, uh, in the uh, Twin Cities area. And, uh, uh, you know, one night a month, just one night a month, that's all I ask for. It's one night a month. Now, it happens to be the same night each month, the second Thursday. But, well, wouldn't you know it, uh, our son is in the eighth grade, Hayden. Uh, he is uh, Hayden. That's his name. He's uh, getting, you know, he's getting through the year, and he's going to be going to high school next year, and and uh, he's trying to decide which high school he wants to go to. And if he doesn't decide to go to any different high school than the one that uh, that that the school system just sends him to, because there is a the school that he's at now, uh, those students that graduate from you know the eighth grade there they move on to this other high school uh, if he decides to just not pick a different school that's where he's going to go and so that was the one that we went to the open house on that on uh, thursday night so well you know kids ruin everything no they don't they don't <laughs> they just it's just well okay so what i ended up doing was uh, going to that and it seems like an interesting school to me um but uh, but Hayden's a little he's thinking of a different one because a couple of his really good friends are going to that one so he thinks maybe he would rather go there well we'll see what happens we're going to go to the open house for that one which will not be on the second Thursday of uh, next month uh, but it will be in, in, in February so okay what I ended up doing was we got done I don't know about quarter to eight got done at the thing Got the you know my wife and son home and then I just zipped on out to the meetup, and it's it's always cool to go to the meetup because uh, well partly because it helps me you know hone some skeptical skills because sometimes I don't think of a certain angle that uh, some of the other skeptics might think of. Um, I usually I go in there and uh, uh, the regulars that are there there's a couple of them uh, that will uh, well there's one in particular that will ask me so what's on the show this week. 
and and it's Craig, and he usually he jokes to say, well, if if you're going to do a lot of poli uh, political talk, then I I know I can skip stuff or just not you know just play some music while sitting in the chat room with you if he shows up on Saturday nights in the chat room, which is a thing that I do. Saturday nights at, at ztalkradio.com. Go to the chat room and you can listen and chat. It's, it's, it's a little hanky though, that chat room. It's uh, one of my my most regular listener had some issues last Saturday and can't figure out exactly what was going on. And, you know, I don't know if it was... Um, it it might have been on her end, her software or something. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know nothing about no computers. So... Uh, Anyway, if you aren't, if you don't have anything better to do on a Saturday night at 11 p.m. Central, you can figure out in your part of the world. Um, why not go over to ztalkradio.com and just bang into the chat room, and because I'm there, and, and we can we can chat while we listen to the show. So you know you can if you want. You don't have to, but I mean, what else is there to do on a Saturday night? Okay. As I said, I sometimes get some ideas from the guys and, and gals at the Minnesota Skeptics. Get some ideas from them, or I, they when they ask me, "What are you thinking? What are you thinking about talking about?" And I said, "Well, um, you know," and I start throwing out some topics that I'm thinking about talking about. And a lot of times, they actually get sort of the preview of the show. You, you know, if I go on, on a rant or something, or I, I or, or start bringing up a topic, and I kind of go through it what I my opinion on it and what I you know go through it and I can kind of say well you just got a preview of the show <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm gonna say but uh, I don't tell them everything that I'm planning on talking about because then why would they listen if I tell them everything that's why my wife and my son don't listen to the show because they hear it all already it's all it's it's I've already heard it you just you were saying it just yesterday or, or whatever well anyway so I got there and uh, the, the, the group is at this, there's a little section in the back of the bar that, that has a nice round table. It's a fairly sizable table. You can get about eight people around it or something. Well, once you know, there's already about eight people around it when I got there. But they made some room, and I, I scooted in, and uh, I sat next to Tim. And Tim's a really nice fella. And uh, uh, he, he's, he, he said to me, he says, you know, he says, you know, I'm, you know, your show is in the regular rotation of my listening. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I better be doing a good job. And and he said, you know, he was complimentary. And uh, Tim, you can rate. And, well, it's yes. I don't, he don't know if he does through the iTunes. Well, he'll do what he can do. Um, he's 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 he turned to me though, and I swear I must have looked like I was completely lost to him when he started mentioning this to me. He looked at me and he said, "I like buns." And I, buns. And he's yeah, I like buns. You like yeah, you were talking about that on your show. I, I was Ta buns. You were talking about buns. B uh, how? Uh, what was I saying about it? <laughs> well, that you don't like them. And he said, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how it, he finally got the bell to to ring in my head, but uh, I think it was you know he said like he mentioned Mario Cuomo or baseball, and I went oh bunts. Oh, you you mean the bunt. You like the bunt. He said, yeah. I said, really? <laughs> well, I guess that makes two of you. Uh, you and Mario Cuomo. Well, Cuomo's dead now, so that makes one. Uh, I said, you, are you a National League guy? And he says, no, not really. I'm not really a baseball guy or a sports guy, but, you know, I watch it. It's it's a lot. It's, it can, it's, it's more interesting than a, than a home run. I said, really? Well, and then he kind of, you see... 
he, he might disagree with me, and I'm sure I'll hear about it at the next meeting, but what he really means is he doesn't like the bunt per se. He likes it when it's part of a, of a play, you know, a part of a, an exciting play. Now, the bunt can be part of an exciting play in a couple few ways. Uh, uh, before I start describing those, the main way the bunt is used is when you've got uh, not a very good hitter at the plate. A lot of times it's used in the National League because the pitcher hits in the National League, so the pitcher is not usually a very good hitter. Some are, but most aren't. And there's a guy, there's a runner on, there's at least one runner on first base. You know, well, there's only one runner on the base, but there's at least a runner on first. There might be a runner on second and on first, you know, they might there might be that, but there's at least a runner on first, and um, or there could be a runner on second. <laughs> I'm thinking about this. Okay, there's a, I'm making it more complicated, but and what normally would happen, you got a guy on first or on second or first and second, and you want to move them up, because if you're on if a runner's on first base, you get him up on the second base, he's now in scoring position. That means. It, it, when you when a guy bunts, generally he gets thrown out before he gets to the plate. But the guy that's on first or gets to the base, the guy that's on first gets up to the next base. So the, he's then in scoring position. So the next hitter that comes up, if that hitter gets a hit, uh, that runner at second has a chance of scoring. So he's in scoring position. If he got to third, if you had a guy on second and you bunt him over to third, He's, you know, and the hit comes the next batter. He's definitely coming home. So there's, you know, there's, there's that. That's that's kind of the normal way a base uh, a bunt is used. There's a couple other ways. Sometimes you get really fast runners, guys that are just super quick. And if they're any good with a bunt, once in a while, when it's not expected, they'll drop a bunt. And they'll try to leg it out, just kind of run out to first and try to beat the catcher, you know, throwing to the to the first baseman, try to beat it out for a, a bunt single. Sometimes they do that. And that can be pretty cool, especially if it's a real close play. That, that can be exciting. And then there's the squeeze play. Now, this is when you got a guy on third, and you've got less than two outs, and you got a guy at the plate who's maybe the pitcher, maybe not the best hitter, uh, and and the, 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 the squeeze play is put on. And that's where that hitter will bunt the ball, and hopefully he does it in, in, in such, a, such a way that the runner on third is able to get into home plate. Uh, there's, there's a safety squeeze, which I think the, the runner hangs up to make sure that the bunt is laid down before he takes off. And then there's the suicide squeeze, squeeze where the guy on third takes off as soon as the pitch is delivered. And that pitcher throws that pitch. The, the hitter better drop the bunt. Otherwise, if it gets to the catcher, the catcher's just going to hold the ball and tag the guy out as he tries to come in. So that can be exciting. But the bunt in itself, come on. <laughs> That's not. No, no. So, so Tim likes the bunt when it's used in something exciting. The late Governor Mario Cuomo just, just loved the bunt because of the sacrifice I love the sacrifice. Okay, whatever. Tim did raise a good point about a home run. Now, a home run, uh, a home run can be really exciting, 
it depends on when it comes into the game. What's the situation in the game? Are you coming from behind? Is it a walk-off win at the end of the game? Is it, uh, you know, is it, you know, what is the situation in which the home run is being hit? Then, but if it's just sort of like in the middle innings of the game, there's, you know, the, both teams are kind of trading runs, and it's, you know, it, it may not be as exciting. Uh, and I did mention to him, I, there used to be the show, I don't know if it's on anymore, but there used to be a show, syndicated program on, on the weekend afternoons, called This Week in Baseball. And I used to watch that. And part of what they would do on the show is they would do the top five plays of the week. And they would count them down from five to one. And it seemed like, more often than not, the number one play was a home run. Which, that's a hit. That's not necessarily a play. You, they would show guys out in center field running out a fly ball and just diving for it and making a spectacular catch. I mean, these guys are such, some of these guys are such good athletes and so good at what they do. It's just amazing. So, you know, they they can they can determine where that ball is going to come down and they haul ass over to it. They've got the ability to get there and catch that ball. That's awesome. And you know, that's a better play than some guy just hitting the ball out of the park. As exciting as that can be, and everybody loves to see a home run, but and then there's like a, a, a uh, what would what would seem like an impossible double play being turned, or just some remarkable play where if, uh, an infielder gets the ball and he gets the ball over to uh, he fields the ball and he gets it over to first base or whatever base he's getting it to to, to get out get a runner out and and just in time, just barely in time, or. Or a center fielder is throwing the ball for somebody that's running in for home, and he throws it in from center field, or and and it, the ball beats the guy to the plate, and there's and he's out at the plate. Now that's exciting. Those are plays. Those are great plays. And any one of those is better than a home run as far as being a play. So there you go. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for Tim. I told him that uh, now I've done this on the old show. That's what I call the uh, the first 300 shows that I did. That are that most all of them are available at ztalk.com. You go to the show, show archive page there and you look for the Dimland folder and you'll find almost all 300 shows that I've done since March uh, 2010. So that's I'm coming up on seven years. Wow. Anyway, but now that I'm doing this on iTunes, I get to revisit some of my rants. Now, I'm looking at the clock. I've got five minutes. I don't think I'm going to get it done in five minutes. So what I'm going to do, it's a little unusual for me, I'm going to take a break early so that when I come back from this break, I can really nail uh, really nail the rant. <laughs> You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Be sure to sit tight, and I'll, I'll, it's a classic rant about baseball. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. 
Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? Hey, I almost forgot. It's, it's time for... It's quiz time on Dimland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin' lobster or anything like that, because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A, Mahatma Gandhi, B, Jane Goodall, C, Albert Einstein, or D, Snooky? This has been Quiz Time on Dimland Radio. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. All right, I took an early break there. So <clears throat> this is a, uh, I call it a classic rant, but, you know, it's only its only classic to me because <laughs> not too many people know it. Uh, but, uh, okay, I like baseball. Uh, I like the game. I'm not super fanatical about the... Uh, the stats and all that kind of stuff. I don't know all the players and all their personal stats. I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not a great historian of the game or anything like that. I, I just really do enjoy watching the game. I like watching it on TV. I like going to a game if I get a chance to. Uh, it's just. I just really like the game. I prefer it to all the other sports. If I had a choice, I'd watch baseball. In fact, there's kind of like an inside joke uh, uh, between my wife and I, and it's nothing. It's not a big deep joke or anything like that but we were I'm not sure where we were but uh, my wife we were trying to figure out what to watch on TV and my wife was flipping through the channels and we were somewhere where there was cable might have been when we were living together in an apartment we had cable for a little while uh, might have been at her parents house I don't remember but she was flipping through the channels and as she's going through we're kind of we're not seeing anything really exciting and then there's a baseball game and one of them she flips and there's a baseball game and she clicks the thing again and goes past and I said and I said Baseball? <laughs> and that's become sort of the little joke between us. It was just every now and then would just, uh, you know, if, if something that piques my interest. Baseball? Ah, okay. Um, for you, Tim, and for anybody else, why I hate 
the New York Yankees, or as I call them, the hated Yankees. Uh, I, I've heard that it is, uh, I've heard one sports writer say it is the natural order of things for uh, for people to hate the natural, uh, the the uh, the hated Yankees, the New York Yankees. It's uh, it, there's there's a certain amount of envy in there because uh, that franchise has won 27 World Series, is, is and they have been in 40 of them. They are by far as uh, the most successful uh, baseball franchise in the history of baseball. You got to give them some respect for that. There's something to be said for consistent uh, excellence that they can do such things like that. They can have such stretches where they are so good. And, but, you know, they, they have a lot of money. They have a market where it's huge and they got plenty of money so they can buy the best players. But you don't necessarily always do the best by doing that. Sometimes, sometimes. Some teams that don't have quite as great a, a payroll will do better, and just having a great payroll doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win the big championships. It can, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have a good size payroll to be able to afford it. Doesn't hurt, but it doesn't always mean it's not an automatic. Let's see how well the Yankees have been doing lately. Well, which is great, by the way. It's great. I don't think they've been in a World Series since 2009. I think they won that one, but they hadn't been in one since then, I think. Anyway, I do have it on the computer here. I could look, but let's let's just get going. I also really like Ken Burns' documentary series, Baseball. It's a nine-part series. came out in like 1994, 95, uh, and it, it, it has nine parts, which Ken Burns calls innings. So there's a top of the inning and a bottom of the inning, so the first half, second half. And he has all kinds of people that are baseball fans, sports writers, players, all sorts of people that he interviews to you know get background information about the game and to you know, and he and he unfolds the documentary in a in a in a chronological area era uh, 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 um, order. That's it. That's what the word I was looking for. He unfolds it that way, giving the best kind of. Uh, way of describing how it came about. It wasn't that story that some, you know, some Civil War hero just made up the game one day. No, it's just sort of more organic. A couple of games merged into one, and from there it kept getting refined until it became the game that we see today. Essentially, it hasn't really changed much in in a hundred years or plus. You know, it's it's pretty much essentially the same game. Well. So he's getting through this, and he gets to the 1960 World Series. And it, I don't know how many times I watched this documentary series until before it hit me, this is why I hate the Yankees. It, it boils down to that 1960 World Series and to scientist Stephen Jay Gould. Yeah. So Stephen Jay Gould was born in 1941. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2002, way too young. He was only 60 years old. And he was a baseball fan. And he, was, he grew up in New York. So guess which team he liked? No, he didn't go for the for the Mets or for the, or for the, uh, the Dodgers. He didn't go for the Giants. You know, the Giants left and the Dodgers left in the mid-1950s. Uh, I'm not sure when the Mets came into existence. It might have been a little bit 
It might not have been in the 50s. I don't remember when the Mets came in, so don't ask me. See, I told you, I'm not that fanatical about stats in history. I just like the game. Now, the 1960 World Series was between the uh, New York Yankees and the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates had home field advantage. First two games played in Pittsburgh, the middle three games played in New York, the last two games played in Pittsburgh, if the last two games were needed. Okay, on paper, and the record, and just looking at that team, the New York team was the better team. They were heavily favored to win. But somehow, those pesky Pittsburgh Pirates were able to force a seventh game. So that means they won three games, and the hated Yankees won three games. The hated Yankees, the games they won, were blowouts. They scored tons of runs. Just it's like 10 runs, 15 runs, just it's amazing. That final game, uh, the Pirates had gone up by, by four to nothing, but by the late innings, the Yankees were up seven to four, and then they uh, and uh, then the Pirates went ahead nine to seven. And then in the top of the ninth, the Yankees tied it at nine, and in the bottom of the ninth, up comes Bill Bill Mazeroski, who hit a home run, winning the game and the series for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, the, Ken Burns had three people talking about that particular series. He had Billy Crystal, Mickey Mantle, and Stephen Jay Gould in his documentary. Now, uh, Mickey Mantle, I would understand feeling regret about it because he was on that team. He was a great ball player, and he was on that team, and he said he really felt like the, the, the better team lost, and it, it bothered him. And I understand that. He's, you know, he's, he's an athlete. It's a, he's, he's, he competes. You know, there's going to be... I understand his residual regret. Uh, remember, now, this, this series was made something like 30 years after the 1960 World Series. And Billy Crystal, who cares what he says? Stephen Jay Gould, a nice guy, well-respected, good science communicator, very missed by by science and skeptics alike. You know, scientists, it just really missed by us. And he comes on there, and he says, to this day, remember, this is 30-something years later, to this day, friends and family know not to bring up that Mazeroski home run around me. I don't know what he'll do, throw, you know, fly into a rage and destroy, you know, tear apart the house and kill people or whatever. I don't know what he does, but I guess he'll go into a bad mood. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, maybe the Yankees hadn't won a World Series in a while. Maybe, it was, maybe that was a chance to get out of a dry spell. Now, I know. Maybe you're saying that. Maybe you are. Well, no. As I said, Stephen Jay Gould was born in 1941. So let's go to 1949, shall we? That's when Stephen Jay Gould would have turned eight years old, and that's about a good age to start liking baseball. I think he started very young liking baseball. So let's start in 1949. That's a good year to start. Who won that World Series in 1949? Well, you guessed it, the hated Yankees. Who won in 1950? 1951. 1952, 1953. Yes, that's five years in a row. The New York Yankees. Who won in 1950? 
1956. And then again in 1958. That's right, the hated Yankees. They won, let me count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven World Series from 1949 through 1948, or 58, sorry. Seven of them. <laughs> the two years, 1957-1959, those were the two years in the 1950s in which a team not from New York won the World Series. That's another thing. In 55, it was the, the Brooklyn Dodgers who won it. That's another thing. The, the, the Ken Burns documentary, you said that you know the 1950s is said to be the greatest decade of, in baseball history. Well, yeah, if you were from New York, because <laughs> New York dominated that sport that decade. All right. So the 1960, well, so no, maybe you're saying, but them, maybe the Yankees didn't win for a long time after that. Maybe that was the, 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 the last chance for, for many years. Well, you'd be wrong. Because they won the World Series in 1961 and 1962. And the World Series, had they won in 1960, that would have been their 19th World Series championship. 19. The next closest franchise... Today has 11, and that's the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's, so, when, so when I'm watching this, and again, I don't know how many times I'd watched this series before, but it hit me that one time. I watched it, and I looked at it. Stephen Jay Gould said that about Bill Mazeroski's home run, and I said, dude, that was, you, that was just one series you didn't win. Why don't you just, you know, well, it's one we didn't win. We should have, but we didn't. Oh, well. We've got 27 of them. Of course, they didn't have 27 of them by the time he died, but they have now. It's just, that, was, that was it. That was the key. That, was, that told me that's why I can't stand the New York Yankees. Because their fans have this, and I, can, I suppose it's kind of understandable when you come to the end of the, the 50s decade, it's kind of understandable that their fans would say, hey, if the Yankees are in the World Series, just give them the trophy. Don't even play the games. Just give them the trophy. Oh. Tell you. Some people. Let's see. Where am I? Okay. Uh, there's been a video that's gone around that's of, uh, of the Schaff twins. Excuse me. I'm, I'm uh, doing a little something with some paper. Hang on. Okay. It's cold, and the nose tends to run. You don't want to hear me sniffling, so I'm trying to... I should have been a little more discreet, but what the hell. So the, the Schaff twins, they're two-year-old boys that were... Uh, their names are Brock and Bodie. Before I knew what their names were, I was going to call them Thing 1 and Thing 2, but then I thought, just find out their names. <laughs> Brock and Bodie. They became a bit of a uh, sensation recently uh, because they were playing in their room, and uh, I don't know if it was. I, I'm, I'm I'm guessing it was early in the morning because I, from what I've been able to find, read, uh, the parents were in, in bed. They were still sleeping when this happened, and uh, so the boys are playing in their room, and the spy cam. I'm sorry, nanny cam. 
is up in the corner taking a look at the room. And what you can see, almost straight ahead from the camera, is a, is a dresser. Or, as they call it in across the Atlantic, the, the chest of drawers, right? Chest of drawers, what they call it? Anyway, well, we call it a dresser. I call it a dresser. So they, they're playing around this dresser. In the, at the, uh, across that same wall, the other side of the camera, is a, is a crib. Now, apparently, I, reading some more about it, I thought there was another crib on the other side of the bed, one for, one, one for Bodie and one for Brock. But apparently, both the boys sleep in the same crib. There's just, uh, according from what I got from the mom, there's just the one crib in the room. So, I don't know what's directly beneath the camera. But it looks like there's a, I don't know, there's some kind of a lattice frame thing up there. So, the boys are playing in the room. They've got the middle drawers open on the on the dresser, and uh, Brock has climbed up onto one on the the drawer that's on the as you're as you're looking at the dresser on the left side of it. He's up on that, and he's and he's his body is parallel to the dresser. Bodie is coming at it straight forward, you know, so he's perpendicular. He's climbing up perpendicular to the dresser, and his drawer on the right side is open as well. So he's starting to climb up on that. So the two of them are up on the drawers, and it doesn't take long for the center of gravity to shift to the front end of the dresser, and over it topples. Bodie is pretty much just thrown off. Brock is, I won't say pinned, but he's trapped under, under the, the left corner of the dresser. I, I say I won't say pinned because he can kind of struggle around and, and he, he starts off on his his back and he does roll over onto his stomach under there, but he just can't he can't get his shoulder out from under there. He's just kind of caught under this thing. Now it was uh, I'll link to this in the show notes on dimland.com. The show notes go up on sometime on Monday afternoon. Just look for them. Uh, I'll link to these the uh, the People article about this and People listed as Bodie sprang into action. To save his twin brother. Well, spraying isn't quite the way I'd say it. Uh, what we see happening, and I'll link to the video. You, the the people link will have the full video the, of of what's of what happened. What after Bodie is thrown off, and Brock is trapped underneath. Bodie gets up and he immediately starts to push on the top of the dresser now. The top is now facing him, and the back of the dresser is now facing the ceiling. So it's laying over. And so he does give it a couple of pushes, but then he, eh, it's not budging. So then what he does is he, there's an electronic thing that was on top of the, on top of the dresser that's now on the floor, and it's unplugged. And you can see the cord is unplugged from the electronic device, and it's unplugged from the wall as the cord goes across with the, the back of the dresser, which is now facing up. So he's he's just kind of interest, more interested in that, and Brock is struggling away, trying to get out from under there. And after a certain amount of time, uh, uh, Bodie begins to look at where the cord is going. Now he's still not sprung into action, because what he does is he goes up to the dresser and he climbs up on it, <laughs> uh, adding his weight to the dresser. To pin his brother a little bit, <laughs> and you, the brother's head's out from under the t the top of the dresser. And he's looking up, and he's, he's he's you can see he's this kid is not happy, as his brother crawls across the back of the dresser. Now he's getting behind it, 
and he's looking around over there. He finally comes around to the front of the dresser again. He looks down at his brother, and he finally it finally clicks. He then he springs into action. Now this is the from falling over to him finally trying to lift this thing. It was about a minute and a half. So he tries to lift. He tries to grab. He grabs on it. He tries to. Lift. It's not going to lift. He can't do it. But then he gives it another push, like he did right away. He did do a push right away, but it didn't move. This time it moves just enough so that Brock can get his shoulder free and roll out from under. And he gets out, and you can see he's kind of crying. And then he's up on his knees. The video ends, but it, it. But from what we heard from the mom, they were in there playing. She. The, the parents didn't hear the dresser fall. They didn't hear the guys crying. Uh, they didn't hear any noise at all from the room. And I, it's possible that that device that got unplugged was part was the baby monitor. Could have been. So maybe that's why they didn't hear anything. And she checked her smartphone to check the nanny cam, the spy cam. No, no, the nanny cam. And and she sees that the dresser's knocked over, and she sees the boys in there playing. So she, I, I'm assuming she backed up the video to see what happened and she sees this they find that this happened and they she and her husband decided to go public because they wanted to uh, let people know you need to anchor your furniture to the wall it is you know dressers uh bookshelves you need to anchor them because they come with these little little i don't know angle irons or just a little piece of metal that you can screw into the top of with furniture or onto the back of it and there's a nylon strap with some of them that will then you can drill into the wall uh, into a stud you want to make sure you go into the stud not just the drywall because that'll pull right out you go into the stud so you do that so if it does come off its balance at least it's not going to fall all the way over there's a little more to talk about this particular video a couple other things i want to touch on but I'm going to have to go to my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Hi, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return with more after this. Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Outbreaks of whooping cough, or pertussis, are happening across the United States. 
This serious respiratory disease can be deadly for babies. By getting the whooping cough vaccine, called Tdap, during the third trimester of each pregnancy, women can pass antibodies to their babies to help protect them until they're old enough to receive their own vaccine. Learn more at cdc.gov slash pertussis slash pregnant. That's pertussis, P-E-R-T-U-S-S-I-S. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Ztalk Radio Network at the Z- at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim, Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, Brock and Bodie. Uh, Bodie sprang into action after a minute and a half of uh, his brother being trapped under the under the dire- under the dresser that had fallen over onto him and pushed it off. And Brody or Brock was able to to roll out and be free. Now, part of the reason why the dresser didn't crush Brock was because there was a rubber ball on the floor right at the base of the dresser, right in front of the dresser. So the rubber ball, one of those like 10-inch diameter balls that's just soft rubber with multicolorful kind of print things going on on it and, you know, filled with air. And so this the ball caught a lot of the weight of the dresser, and I'm assuming that the reason that uh, Bodie was able to push it and get it to roll was because the ball was there. Now, Bodie's dad said, We know Bodie was not alone in moving the dresser off Brock and feel blessed that he is okay. That blessed, whenever you hear blessed, that's code for, I believe in God. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Which is, okay, great, fine, okay, great. Um, again, uh, no, he, he well, he was alone, but the ball was there helping out. And if God was helping him, why did God let Brock get trapped under the dresser? I, you know, it's like, this is the thing that just never makes any sense. You know, it's just like... I was watching the uh, uh, Netflix series, Making of a Murderer. And it's about a fellow who lives in rural Wisconsin. Not the brightest person in the world. His family's not the brightest people in the world. They own an, Elvich, uh, an auto salvage lot. And, uh, they, and, and anyway, so he, he was wrongly imprisoned for a sexual assault he did not commit. He was in there for 18 years. He gets out. Uh, a woman, shortly after he gets out, a woman disappears. Her last known... A location was to, at that salvage lot taking pictures of a car that was being put into an auto trader. She worked for that. She disappears. There's a search for her. They find, turns out she was murdered, and the guy that was wrongly accused of sexual assault is now accused of murder. So it kind of it's it's a it's a interesting documentary, and it gets a very frustrating. Gets a little it gets very bleak, and it's uh, so. 
while the trial is taking place for the the murder of this of this young woman, they're talking to I think it was her aunt, who was part of the search, looking at this point just tr hoping to find this young woman alive, and the aunt and and her daughter, so the woman's cousin, the two of them are the first two people to to go on to the salvage lot. And they're there for like five or ten minutes and they find you know, the woman's car. Which can happen. It doesn't, you know, just because there's hundreds and hundreds of cars on that on that property doesn't mean that they couldn't find it right away because they just happen, you know, as, as luck would have it or as just, just happened. They went in the right way, they headed the right way, and there it was. Okay. Now, while she's the aunt is testifying to this on the stand, I'm not sure if it was the prosecutor or the defense attorney, but one of them said, it's, don't you think it's kind of lucky that you, you found the car so fast? And she says, she says, no, God was guiding us. I, don't you think, it's like, I want to ask him, but wait a minute now. God cares so much about your niece that he guided you to her car to, so that you could help solve this mystery of what happened to your niece. But he didn't care about her enough to keep her from being murdered. I don't, you know, I don't. And then they'll say, God works in mysterious ways. It's like, great. You can have it any which way you want then. It's just, yeah. okay, all right. Let's set that aside. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring up this this whole thing is because I think it it sort of uh, demonstrates conspiracy thinking, small level, low level conspiracy thinking. You know, on the on the micro scale, you know, the, an, uh, an event that's large enough, like 9/11, uh, the assassination of a president, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, big events have all kinds of things happening around it, and and there are folks that will scour these events with a microscope and they'll find anomalies, things that don't make sense to them, and they'll build those anomalies into a conspiracy theory. Now, what's the? there are some odd things about this video. One is, uh, it starts off that it seems as though the spy cam, uh, the nanny cam, is aimed at the dresser. That seems to be its focus. The dresser is empty, and the dad works for a company that sells those those spy camps, uh, nanny nanny cams. I know I keep saying that on purpose. I'm sorry. Sells those nanny cams. So the conspiracy theorist types out there are looking at that, saying this was a put on. This was the parents just did, and they were heartless enough to put their kids at risk and do this because they what wanted to increase the sales of nanny cams because well let's take each bit and just say you know the the camera seemed to be aimed at the dresser well no it was aimed sort of so they could get the whole room get the floor where they would be playing get the dresser and the crib which apparently is the only crib in the room so that's that makes sense that the camera was put where it was that's, you know, it's just to get as much a view of the room as, as you can. Empty dresser? Gee, I don't know. What other reason might a dresser be empty? New dresser? Hadn't put anything in it yet? 
could that could be that I think I mean you know, that's possible and the dad working for the company that sells you know among other things those nanny cams if they're looking to sell more of those nanny cams well hey, hang on the nanny cam didn't do anything all it did was document it didn't prevent it didn't it didn't send out alarms it didn't get the parents to come in the room any quicker to save the kids it was it didn't do anything other than if the kid had died they could use that in court against the nanny cam or against uh, the i don't know ikea whoever they i think that's where they got the dresser from i don't know if they'd have a case okay it would say well you know you're supposed to anchor the furniture which is what the parents said when they released this they said folks anchor your furniture so that this doesn't happen we're lucky because you know somebody up there was helping Bodhi push the dresser anyway they were luck fortunate that their kids were fine just, Brock had no you know nothing by the time they found that the dresser had been knocked over the kids were playing again it's like nothing eh, you know <laughs> so in that little ways it's how is that that's at least to me I think that's kind of how the conspiracy theory starts to happen they find these things yeah the dresser being empty is curious I mean if the dad worked for the company that sells those little pieces that uh, gets put onto the backs of furniture the anchors if the dad worked for that company well you might have something <laughs> but then how heartless are these parents I just oh I just don't know so guys, I do want to remind you that um, you're just not going to get that first high ever again. It just isn't going to happen. The first high. I I'm going into a different topic, by the way. The, the first time, it never comes again. Uh, it, it, there will be different highs. The first time's for different highs. But, and those will never come again. I, it's just it's just never quite the same. And I think that's part of this whole idea of chasing the dragon. Now, that's not necessarily saying... I'm not necessarily talking about drugs or alcohol. Uh, because I'm referring to... And this is my movie recommendation for the week. I'm referring to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That is my recommendation. I know, I know. Jeez, Deb. <laughs> Nobody's heard of that movie. No, I'm just saying, if you haven't seen it and you like Star Wars movies... And the, the prequels have really kind of put you off, made you worried, and you maybe, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe you were worried because you didn't think Force Awakens was very good. And if you didn't, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I know, movies are subjective. They're art, and art is subjective. You can't, it's hard to recommend, especially comedies, but everybody brings something different to it. I bring up the, you know, it's that high will never be the same again because you're never going to get that feeling. It's because I will never get that feeling again that I had when I saw Star Wars A New Hope, you know, Episode 4, when I saw that the first time. And it took a while before I did see it. I saw it the same year it was released, but it took a while. It was released in May, May 4th? <laughs> May 5th. May 5th, 1977. And I think I finally got to see it at the end of August or maybe in September. I don't know what prevented us to, but I do remember that uh, when we went, our family goes on a two-week vacation, or used to, at the end of the summer. My dad takes two weeks off of work, and we go to a cabin in Wisconsin. That's what we would do. And and in the, in the town, in the small town 
it, we were in there, and that, there's a movie theater, and it had Star Wars. And I, I was begging, like, let's go see Star Wars, because I hadn't seen it yet. Let's go see Star Wars. And my mom said, no, we're on vacation. We're not going to see a movie. I said, but, but isn't that something people do on vacations? Let's go see a movie. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to see a movie. You'll see it when you get back. It'll still be in the theater. Okay, okay, fine. So we finally get back. Saw it. I think I saw it three times in the theater. I know, I'm a piker. There were people at the time that were seeing it 20 times, 30 times, 50 times, insane amount of times. But if you would try to do that today, you'd have to mortgage your house to see it that many times. But reason I'm talking about that, the high about it, because you're just not going to get that feeling again when you first saw Star Wars. You're not going to get the same feeling seeing any of the other Indiana Jones movies that you had when you first saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. You just not. It's just. It's just not going to happen because it's. It's not new anymore. And the reason I bring this up is I was watching. Once I saw the movie, and it's terrific. I really like it. It's dark. It's dark. There's some. It goes in some dark places, and it's the rebellion. You know, it, we're 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 shown how dedicated some of these people are to the rebellion, what they're willing to do, and you should know this by now that the story is about how the rebels got the plans to the Death Star. You should know that by now. I, we knew that before the movie came out. This is what it's going to be about. And I'll, I won't spoil anything for you, but it, I I thought it was really good, and I liked the characters in it. They were some of them were very dark, but some of them managed to have a, 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 a lightness to them, even though the story was fairly bleak. And there's a lot of action in it. It's essentially a war film. It's a battle film. It's a little slow at first, but it, when it builds, it starts really happening, and it's just great. And there's this YouTube group of guys. And they call themselves Red Letter Media. I've talked about them on the old show because I, I've, I've found Red Letter Media's Mr. Plinkett, I think it's they call him, that's the character this one guy will play, and he talks like this, you know, and he has this kind of uh, darkness to him where he's, uh, he's holding a woman in his basement and you know, playing it for comedy. <laughs> but you know, that's what they do. And, it, and he takes apart Phantom Menace. And he explains, they does several parts, uh, look going through the entire movie and saying, this is why it doesn't work. This is what where Lucas went wrong. And one of the things he says at the very beginning of that bit is that he says you don't you don't know the characters. You can't you you could not describe the characters without saying what they do for a living. Unlike in Star Wars, you could describe Luke Skywalker. You could describe what he was like. You could describe Han Solo and, and Princess Leia and Darth Vader. You could describe them in, in ways other than just saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, Han Solo is a is a smuggler. You don't even have to bring that up. He's a scoundrel and he's dangerous and he's unpredictable. And you can do that with the characters in this movie. You can. And I, and I bring this up because I was watching some Red Letter Media bit where there's three of these guys on there, and they're playing different characters. And one of them, I can recognize his voice, is the guy that does the Mr. Plinkett guy. And they spend the first three minutes of the video condescendingly, condescendingly insulting the people who like the Star Wars movie by saying, you know, uh, how they start out, X-Wing Fighters! Star Destroyers! Ad-Ads! Dark Vader, red lightsaber. They just and they do. I'm telling you, they go for like two and a half minutes in this. And I say, guys, I got the point after ten seconds. 
but they lay, they belabor it. They keep it going, they keep it going, and then they talk about... They did mention that they liked the second half of it better, but they didn't care about the characters. They didn't know anything about the characters. They want identifiable characters. I said, what are you talking about? They had a great villain. They had... They had... It's just... <clears throat> and I thought... They were insulting the all the people liking the Star Wars stuff. And I thought, well, no shit, guys. It's a Star Wars movie. Yes, I liked the little Easter eggs that I saw in there. And yes, you know, there were other fans liked all that too. And they liked seeing the X-Wing fighters and the, you know, there's the Death Star. And I said, what did you expect? The story, we knew, you guys knew going into the movie. The story was going to be about what was done to get the Death Star plans. That was what it was going to be about. So what else are you going to see in the movie? What did you guys want? I said, so what did you want? I think, did you want, did you want something completely different from, from all the other Star Wars movies? Wasn't that what you got with the prequels? Episodes one through three? Weren't those com essentially completely different? Well, yes, you do have R2-D2 and C-3PO in all the movies. They're in this one, too. They make a little appearance. Uh, that's not too much of a spoiler, but they're in this one, too. I thought, wow, these guys... If these guys were the age they are now, and they're all in their 30s, if they were the age they are now, and they were transported back to the day with the age and the attitude that they have and they were transported back to the days uh, back to May 1977 and they were to see Star Wars for the first time I think they would find ways, reasons to not like it. Oh, the acting was terrible. The dialogue was stupid. And look how easy they destroyed the Death Star. That's so easy. Which is another interesting thing and a good thing about this movie. They gave us a little bit of story. They were brilliant in, in explaining how it was that it was so easy, relatively easy, to destroy the Death Star. They give us that. But these guys, boy, I tell you, now everybody's got their own you know, idea about things. But uh, uh, I don't know what they wanted. I, 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 I don't know what they wanted. Good night. Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, right now, I want to end the show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Uh, remember to be skeptical, and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And Don't just say things are going to be okay. Do what you can to make them okay. Uh, this has been the Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network, and I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's d-r-d-i-m at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going to hell. No, we would have liked that James Bond movie, but it had the the all that spy stuff. They always do the spy stuff and the special weapons, and then he's you know getting down with the gals and all that, and there's the fights, and you know why can't they do something different in a James Bond movie? I mean, they should really try to do something different in it.